I feel that my heart is starting to race. I'm starting to sweat. Um, I cannot think. And I'm 100% sure that I'm having a heart attack. I'm going to die. Hur optimerar företagare, chefer och entreprenörer lönsamhet, struktur och meningsfullhet för att uppnå maximal kund- och personalnöjdhet samtidigt som de fortsätter att utvecklas? Vad är det som separerar en bra ledare från de allra bästa? Den här podden kommer att ge dig svaren genom intervjuer och samtal med de bästa. Jag heter Ingerna Falklund. Välkommen till Mentopodden av ledare för ledare. Hello everybody and welcome to Mentorpodden. This week's episode will be in English and uh, why is that you might wonder. It's because we have a friend Daniel Hjelte here and uh, when he sent his episode in Swedish last time I had so many requests from English speaking people that they would like to hear what he's saying so that is what we are doing now. And I am very pleased to say very welcome Daniel Hjelte, Managing Director at Accenture Nordics Intelligent Enterprise. Nice to see you again. Likewise, Ingela. I am uh, super excited to do this again in English. So we're really looking forward to it. That's very nice of you, because we mustn't forget that uh, everybody doesn't still speak Swedish, right? <laughs> It's only a matter of time, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I used to say as well. But um, then again, your topic um, in this episode will go backwards and forward, uh, talking about uh, what has taken you to the place where you are now as head of uh, one of of the most uh, uh, important, I would say, and innovative sciences there is in a global consulting company that is one of the world's biggest. And on top of that, uh, I know that you are a family father. And uh, as many family fathers in Sweden, you have come straight from doggies, daycare, taking care of uh, your children. Uh, Why not start there? How how is the balance of life, Daniel Gjelte, in, in your life right now? It's a, probably a great place to start. It goes uh, up and down, but today has it has. Uh, we we are recording this eight o'clock in the morning, but it has already been quite a long day. But uh, this morning has been really really good. But you know it, it can go up and down. I, I I woke up quite early. The typical morning exercise is that I actually go out running and do some meditation in the morning, even before the kids uh, wake up. Um, and how many I, kids? Uh, four kids. Um, four so, kids. Yeah. I mean, that's impressive <laughs> as well, Daniel. Yeah, it's uh, it, it. The plan from the beginning was that we were pretty satisfied with two, but then you know suddenly one more came along, and then you know why not go for four? But it can be it can vary a lot. You know, today was it was really good. You know, especially taking the kids to you know school and daycare. Um, it, it can be absolutely the opposite uh, as well so I think this you know initial um, you know period in the morning it it is a defining moment for me how uh, the rest of the day becomes you know do do you Mm -hmm. go into the day with a sort of positive uh, calm relaxed innovative mindset or 
do you get sort of uh, stressed up uh, you know from, from the beginning and of course that, that happens as well but I think probably a lot of the discussion today will be around you know the, the, the sort of the vehicles and tools to you know uh, minimize and reduce the number of bad days and uh, mm-hmm. have as many good as, as possible but also you know it's um, it's spring in, in Stockholm the light is coming and there is an element of a uh, only that making you uh, feel alive again in some way. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, but w- I think that one of the first questions that I would like to ask you would be, uh, given the area that you are uh, working within artificial intelligence, what if there was this robot that could take your place and uh, you know do some of this stuff that you do in the morning, taking your children to, to daycare, for instance? Uh, would you like that? Uh, I, I would not. <laughs> uh, I think so from a sort of efficiency perspective, it would probably be fantastic. But from a sort of a human relationship, uh, loving perspective, I think it would be terrible. And I think that you would probably talk a little bit about that as well. This, you know, tricky balance between how do you actually remain human in this age of, uh, you know, crazy technology. But I think, you know, you use technology for the stuff that uh, you don't want to do and uh, in- invest your human time in the things that actually, you know, gives you a sense of purpose and love and, uh, you know, greater good feeling, then I think it's, it's, a, it's a good balance. Yeah, thank you. And we will... Will... It's probably true. Some days I would just love to ship them into an automated bus that takes them immediately to school. So maybe to have that option in the back pocket some mornings. Yeah, uh, and we will absolutely get there, as you're saying, looking more to to the future perspective of of artificial intelligence and the sometimes, and I think mostly complicated balance between the human factor and the efficiency. So thank you for for this honest and uh, uh, direct response. Uh, But going forward, I would like to go uh, back a little bit uh, in in your history and in your story and in your journey to where you are right now. Where about would you like to start? That's a good good question. But given that, you know, this, this conversation is about, you know, leadership and mentoring, I think a big part of that self-leadership as well so I would probably go back to a very defining moment in my life which is uh, it's around five years ago um, and for context I'm relatively you know newly promoted managing director at Accenture and I feel that everything is going well but in this situation I'm sitting in a meeting um, and probably five minutes into this meeting. And it's a topic I know very well. It's people I know. So there's no uh, nervousness or sort of anxiety linked to it. But maybe five minutes into this meeting, I feel that my heart is starting to race. I'm starting to sweat. Um, I cannot think. And I'm 100% sure that I'm having a heart attack. I'm going to die and it's a feeling that I have never felt before and makes 
me completely terrified. So with that, maybe the, maybe with that cliffhanger, let me then mm-hmm. go back to you know how I grew up and what led me to this event, and then then maybe we can discuss a little bit about the sort of learning reflections and what actually changed from that moment. But I think it that was and is I think a really defining moment in 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 my life and. Yes. Uh, uh, work uh, how I view work that, that is also a very very exciting cliffhanger and uh, let, let, I, I know that you will take us there but please share what, what yeah. uh, was before uh, that came up to this uh, I mean in a context where you are at the peak on in your career uh, and where you think you are going to die literally Absolutely. so um, please share with us uh, the, the journey Daniel yeah but if I take it back uh, you know from the beginning um my mother is Swedish, my father is Italian, so I lived my first year in, in Italy, then they, they got divorced at a very early stage, so I moved to Sweden with my mother. Maybe at the age of four or five, I moved out to um, a new build area in, in the Stockholm suburbs, which was you know, fantastic in the beginning, but then at the age of uh, you know, when you go to middle school, uh, you know the early teens, then it it became quite a tough environment. It, it was it was you know a tough area where it was important to have your you know position in um, in that sort of sphere of, of, of people basically, and it, it was uh, uh, it was. And by, quite posi- a- by position, you mean? Now it, it is uh, to some degree it was in uh, hierarchy between mm-hmm. you know people. There were some people that you looked up to slash were scared of, uh, scared yeah. of, and as a consequence, yeah. you took it out on other people. So it was very important to have your sort of position in that ladder or pyramid, and as a consequence, you you got involved in some things that were perhaps not um, not super great. Um, but on the side of that, I had a big interest of, of doing, doing well in school. I had good grades. So I think there was really this duality that, you know, still doing well and getting good grades. But on the side, uh, you know, being in surroundings that was not always um, uh, super great. Uh, but then also maybe on the topic of defining moments, my, my career advisor, um, I think she saw this uh, complex dynamic, so she advised me to pick uh, Japanese as extra language to be- get basically get into another type of environment, and I did that. And as a consequence, when I started gymna- gym- gymnasium, I went to an environment that was completely different. It yeah. was Österjal and Östermalm, which is sort of the posh, high-end so could you say that, that this career device uh, advisor actually was your first mentor in some kind? Is uh, that appropriate? I think both yes and no. I, I, I can honestly not recall so much of, of the specific advice I, I got from her, but um, Somehow. As, a, as a consequence of that action, Absolutely, because mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. think it could have taken a very different turn if if that action and advice 
was not placed at that time because I mm-hmm. think it really changed the path for me, which mm-hmm. which I think was very very beneficial. But it was not without complexity going into that environment as well because um, to some degree it was the same. It was also this, even though the rules were were very different, it was still this, you know, element of, you know, where do I fit in, uh, in in this new surrounding? And that was tough in the beginning, but that has also been some kind of common pattern to, you know, continuously get into new environments and new surroundings and then, you know, um, learning to fit in. But it was at times a tough period as well. Um, I, I, I recall that I felt quite alone uh, in the beginning uh, in that per- uh, period. And it was an interesting sort of merge of these two worlds when I went to military service, where I accidentally ended up in the same team uh, with some of my old friends, uh, which sort of made, made those worlds uh, collide uh, for a while as well. But then I think the first really sort of stable base for me was when I then uh, started to study again. Uh, after mid- military service, I, I worked for you know one and a half years in a kiosk and you know uh, raised my grades uh, so I could be, go into university. So I started 2000. Uh, no, it was 1998 at uh, KTH, Royal Institute of Technology, and at that point I, I met a group of people that I felt very comfortable with. There were no I didn't feel any pressure to be different in any way. And that was, I think, for the first time, it was very relaxing and rewarding to just, you know, be able to be yourself. So I think that at that point, there was some kind of foundation in me that I think started to build, uh, you know, who, uh, you know, based, based on who I really am. So fast tracking that, you know, then, then um, I studied both at... Uh, uh, Royal Institute of Technology and Stockholm University in parallel and then uh, as uh, based on a coincidence I got to know Accenture um, applied and, and got the job and started at Accenture 2003 uh, together with a group of 10-12 uh, people some of them also very close friends to me today and it was also this element of you know moving into a new surrounding where I felt that everyone was you know completely amazing in all dimension and you know do I really deserve to be in this group of awesome people and how how will I compare and perform um, uh, in, in that constellation but a little bit uh, like in the previous scenarios it worked well and if I fast back that you know to today I'm I'm the only person left in this constellation so it, it has been been um, and your partner yes <laughs> so it, it, something Just mentioning uh, it. worked out pretty well but if I put some words then on maybe the first 10-ish years uh, mm-hmm. leading up to this event um, it was it was a very fast career for me um, I was promoted to you know partner or marketing director in 10 years which is very quick um, and during this um, this period I uh, um, I had the ability to, to see new business areas or opportunities and just claim them and expand them and grow them. And I think that is something that uh, 
you know, it gets recognized uh, very well. It was also a time of, it was a little bit, it was a different culture back then as well. Because if I look back at the first 10 years, um, this, this, this culture of work hard and play hard was very evident. In, in the work aspect, it was you know, in the beginning, and that's completely the opposite now. But when I started 2003, it was, it was almost cool and prestige, prestigious to work a lot, you know, working weekends and at points maybe during the full night. There was a sort of cool factor in mm. that. When you think back of it, you know, completely insane. But that was the reality at that yeah. point. And in parallel to that work climate, it was, you know, you, you are with a group of, you know, young people in your own age. It was a lot of, you know, friends and activities and partying on, on, on the side as well. And everything, you know, went on in a very high pace. And I, I enjoyed it a lot. It, it, it was a fantastic feeling. Um, and not so much reflection on, you know, is it sustainable? You know, I, I had, I recall that, you know, if you, um, if you had colleagues or friends that were, you know, experienced some kind of, you know, burnout, I, I, I recall that I had a difficulty to relate to why is that happening? And, you know, it would never happen to me. You know, it's almost like it's a sign of weakness mm -hmm. that, that that probably the mental image i had in those early days but then okay uh, back to this it was may 13 it was friday or so friday the 13 it was may uh, 2016 and um, so uh, the night before this meeting uh, we had had a celebration event in uh, i think it was in malmo so i had traveled to malmo it was a very late dinner with alcohol and very limited sleep i flew back to stockholm very early in the morning uh, to have this meeting um, friday morning in, in stockholm again um, an environment that i felt very comfortable with people i know, people i knew and uh, you know, content I, I uh, you know, I, I knew as well. You must. And then this, this feeling comes uh, from nowhere. And uh, again, you know, starting to sweat, uh, feeling my heart rate go up a lot uh, and not able to think uh, or articulate my thoughts. And when you are in a presentation mode, that, that is you know, very, very evident. <laughs> and then you get this feeling that, you know, something very bad is going on. <laughs> so I, I stopped the presentation and tell, you know, tell, tell the people that, you know, I, I need to go out. Uh, and then I go to the toilet and, uh, <laughs> and I sit there for, for a couple of minutes. And then this feeling passes. Uh, so it, it goes away quite quickly. But it's still, I'm somehow shocked from the experience because it, 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 it was super scary. So I take a glass of water, then I go into the meeting and as this almost robot that I'm, I was trained to be, mm -hmm. uh, I just you know, pick it up and continue the presentation and it went, it went okay. It was probably not the best presentation ever, but you know. It, you it, managed. It was, I managed. Uh, so. And then, you know, the day passed on and the other meetings 
know, it, it worked out well, but the, and this was, you know, somewhere in the back of my head. But at that point of time, it was very easy to, um, uh, to, to, to find reasons to disregard it. You know, okay, I, I haven't slept enough. Maybe there's yeah. an element of, you know, alcohol in my body. Maybe I'm getting sick. Uh, you know, it's, it's nothing to think about. And then uh, one week later, the same feeling comes to me. Um, and what made that very different was that uh, at that day, I had nothing to blame. I had slept. There were no uh, uh, party. Or external circumstances. Exactly. No external circumstances that I can blame. And then it really hit me because then, then I understood that you know, this is something that you know, I, I need to, I need to understand what's, what's going on. Um, and it, absolutely a defining moment as well, because then, you know, I, 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 we have a very solid, uh, you know, support system. So, so I, I met uh, this doctor in the first instance, and you took all, you, you, you take all the sort of uh, the physical tests to, to make sure that everything is okay. And, and it was, um, but when you are there, um, I, I felt that it must be something, you know, physical. So I, I, I even insisted on, on, on doing a brain scan just to understand, you know, could it be that I have a brain tumor or, or, or something? You know, it, it must be something tangible that you can show me that, you know, explain these things that is happening and then you tell me what to do about it and then I take the magic pill and then you know everything is great again that was a little bit you know the simplified view and I recall that conversation very well because you know she of course said that you know it's, it's not needed for you to, to have a brain scan and you know it, it, she asked me if, if you think yourself you know we have ruled out all these other things you know what, what could it be and then I looked her in the eye and said, you know, it was springtime. So could it be uh, allergies? You know, it was, you know, pollen in the air and stuff like that. Yeah. He was, you know, cold, blank face to me and said, absolutely not. This is a panic anxiety attack that you have experienced. And uh, that was difficult at that point to take in. Um, Why? Because somehow I think I, I was programmed to that I'm not that type of person mm. uh, that this happens to. Um, uh, but but it, it, it was the start of a learning and self-reflection and self-leadership journey that, you know, made it super clear that that was the case. Because the next step in that process is, is that you get to meet this... Um, uh, therapist um, and I also recall very well when I met her Maria was her name um, she, she and th th I think at that point it became super clear for me because in the first five minutes of our conversations she she expressed feelings I had felt but not been able to articulate in a way that was just 110% correct. 
Could you give yeah. some examples of your thoughts? I think one example would be that um, I could find myself in scenarios, for example, you know, be, being at you know super cool places with a group of friends, uh, you know, enjoying life, and there is this feeling of shouldn't I think or shouldn't I feel that this is more fun and rewarding and exciting than it actually or where I actually feel, um, and that that was. Absolutely, a feeling that I, you know, at some point of time, for example, okay, now I'm I'm in New York with a group of, you know, my five best working colleagues, and it's Friday night, and we, we're going out to have a blast at the coolest place. Uh, why do I not feel like this is, you know, top of the world? Top of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that, that that was one example, and, and she had several, and they really sort of struck a chord with me, and then. You know, I, I started to understand that, you know, the, the way I had been working and living and operating um, was not great. Um, so I think that that learning exercise, and I, I'm happy to give, I, I can give you a couple of examples of sort of the, the key things that I changed immediately. Uh, but then it had also been, I think you know a continuous uh, evolution of, of of figuring out what works as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. J- just curious about uh, the one thing you shared early in your story that uh, you you were looking to fit in. Uh, that was something that you were struggling with in the first part uh, when you grew up uh, in this area outside Stockholm and at Österdal when you came in and, and there was a completely different environment. What, what happened to that feeling in this context that you're describing now? Yeah, but it, it, I think it was um, it was put to the extreme. I think it's a very good question because. Um, I think ha- having that personality trait as well, uh, a consequence of that is that my work is a very big part of my identity. Ah, yes. And, it, and suddenly that is threatened in a way that is completely new from, you know, Everything is going fantastic. You're getting promoted, and you have this great group of awesome people around me. My my main worry was that I will not be able to continue work. And if that happens, who am I? Who am I? What, what would I do? And that and and that has been a crucial part of my sort of you know self. You know, after that as well, because it it, um, it it threatened almost my entire existence. If I cannot continue to do this at Accenture in this way, um, who am I? So I think that that was actually it was probably the main fear uh, at that point of time. But I think it also triggered this. Uh, as I said, you know, it, 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 it also became an interest and it was a merge of a little bit like we started because 
Well, what happened at Accenture a little bit before this as well is that I started to get an interest for artificial intelligence. And I, I, um, I uh, was part of you know, selling our, our first programs at that space. And, and the consequence of that was that I uh, you know, got, got the task of, of leading that practice in the Nordics and then that expanded. And suddenly uh, this track opens up that is more about human intelligence, human well-being, the human brain. And how does these two worlds operate together um, so I, I started to spend more time for myself to understand the human aspect what actually um, makes you feel good um, as, as, as a human um, and also how if I translate that to how I spend my days and what I focus on um, what is good and bad. And, and I, I can give a couple of examples because if I, if I look at my um, typical day before this, it could be, you know, I, I wake up in the morning. The, the first thing I do, I probably go to the toilet and I pick up my cell phone um, and I look at the emails and I start to read. So, so my mind gets you know, up to speed in the beginning. It could also be that, okay, this is something I need to do. I take up my computer and I start to work. Maybe I have planned to exercise, but ah, this is, it seems urgent. I, I need to do it. And then you know, you're already up to speed. And that sets the tone uh, for today. So you go from you know, sleeping to you know, full pace activity mm-hmm. you know, super quickly. And then you go to work, uh, you have meetings, they, they are you know, back to back without any, any break in between. It could be that you're sitting in and listening in on meetings where you feel like, ah, this is not so important. So I can work on my presentation in, uh, you know, on the side. So seeing almost multitasking as a way to be you know, productive. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you can work over lunch to save time, then then uh, then then you do it. And at the same time, you know, almost in the evening routines that you have your cell phone available, you have your push notifications on your email, and you know, LinkedIn and other stuff. And when you hear that bus, you pick it up and see what's happening. So you're never really off. Um, and also, you know, during evening time, it could be that. I work late uh, and then went to sleep immediately. So no break between, you know, stop working and, and going to bed. Um, and also on the topic of, of, of alcohol, it, 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 it happened quite a lot that I, if I probably some kind of almost you know, self-pity or self-reward mechanism that if I had late night work, I could take a glass of wine just to make it more, you know, pleasant somehow. Yeah, but when you start to understand how all those components totally messed up your brain, mm-hmm. that, that, uh, that's, that was a big revelation for me. And, you know, no one, ha- no one had really told me, uh, at least not in a way that I could digest, that all these things that you are doing, they are messing up your brain. So I think that, that really triggered a new 
new type of routine that, uh, of course, implemented in, in, in sort of small steps, uh, but that, that makes all the difference, especially in these situations that, you know, where you have, um, you know, tougher workload or private situations or, or whatever it can be. So was this, I, was this something you could see by yourself or was it by working with the, the therapist or, or how, how could you see all this, these dependencies and, and ways of doing and, and that they were no longer good for you? But I think the, the therapist was absolutely the trigger for for the um, uh, for the you know, identification of, of of the problems. But then I, I also took an interest in you know studying and reading and listening to smart mm-hmm. people that had had perspective on on it. And what I and at that point of time, I think there were very good sort of experts in these different tracks. You know. Uh, um, the importance of exercise, the importance of eating right, the importance of you know focusing on one single task when you work. Um, how, how do you sleep well? Um, so at that point of time, I I took the best advice I could from these different sources and then combined it into a solution that I thought would fit myself, and then of course tweaked it a little bit along the way. I think more and more now, I think there is so many good books and uh, you know audio books and speeches about you know how these different uh, um, components play an important totality for you you know sleeping eating physical exercise mental exercise so now now for example every morning i i do a physical exercise and i also do uh, you know, guided meditation and it, it's also very good uh, and I, I have no um, push notifications on my email and I don't read my email before I uh, you know, start work. And that is after I have left the kids. So that, that gives, it, it, it gives me in the morning a nice self-reflecting calm start for the day. But in the beginning, it was absolutely painful because you, you feel like shit i'm losing valuable time here when will i recover that uh, so you, you have you, you almost have to force yourself to, to 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 implement that behavior but it's such a good evidence that when i do this uh, guided meditation see mm-hmm. typically you know getting comfortable and track your your uh, your breath for example and seeing what extent your mind is you know thinking about other stuff uh, it's such a big difference if I have been out running before I do uh, the meditation. I'm very sort of relaxed and calm in my brain. If I have not, uh, then it's typically more common that the thoughts get, you know, a, li- a little bit everywhere. So it's a very clear evidence for me that, you know, physical exercise, it, it helps at least me to... Uh, to uh, find a, a, a sort of a good place to be, but then you know it's everyone somehow needs to find his or her own a- ingredients. But I really think that the morning is important, and also the evening, to make sure that you have this, you know, recovery period between 
you know, stop working, hang out with people you love in the extent you can, do nothing, and sort of face down. Facing down. Yeah. And then also having enough of hours to actually sleep. So. Yeah. A question uh, makes me curious. Uh, when you're talking about the physical uh, benefic- b- benefits that you are actually, you know, seeing, feeling, uh, quite, uh, it's quite concrete, uh, mm-hmm. tangible. Uh, you, you can see it from when you're running and, and when you're doing your meditation and, and what it does to your physical uh, state of mind, so to speak. But the mental state of mind, the, the things you were mentioning before, this uh, existential worry about uh, not being able to work uh, and then losing your identity. Uh, I mean, the questions like this, what, what kind of, if, if any, would you say that meditation gives you in terms of answers to those questions that gives you strength going forward? I think it's a super good question and it has been it has been a journey for me as well I, I don't want to paint the picture that you know this happened uh, you know five years ago and then uh, one month later I had all the uh, you know of, no. the, the solutions and everything works so it, it's absolutely a journey and I think it still is and um, what I think there are a couple of things that that it becomes clear to me because one is that um, when I am stressed, I tend to go into um, doing and execution mode rather than stepping back, look at the big picture and see how I can best resolve it. And the later is 99 out of 100 times the better, better approach. So I think what the meditation gives me, it's, it almost forces me to, you know, take time off, just, you know, relax, think of nothing, um, to almost, you know, step away from myself, try to then, you know, after that, you know, clear my head and see the bigger picture to then, uh, attack whatever is on 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 my mind so it is i like the saying of you know um, sometimes that you need to um, slow down to speed up uh, just not do more stuff somehow you, you need to go back and reflect and think to then spend time wisely on on, on you know whatever it is that you do I think the other dimension that I think probably relates to my personality and upbringing as well is this you know, to your point this um, feeling of, of, of you know wanting to fit in and have a place is, is the tendency to um, measure myself on too much on what I do versus who I am. Um, Maybe it sounds fluffy, but the more comfortable I can be with who I am and know that that is actually what people, clients, uh, friends, um, family appreciate with me. 
And that is actually what have made my career and not just doing more things. That also gives me a sense of, it grounds me and it makes me less stressed about always having to perform and yeah question yourself maybe yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I can really hear the difference in uh, self-worth in uh, self-confidence in in all those things we talk a lot about uh, as important ingredients to to live and and to have a good life uh, to, to actually be satisfied with ourselves and not only what we are doing but for, forgive me doing this uh, uh, how can I call it this uh, to compare these two things, but given the the area that you are working within, uh, which is a future area of artificial intelligence, uh, and given the two different state of minds and and uh, personalities, uh, how you look at your knowledge uh, from the first part, just. Uh, wanting to execute, to deliver, to be dependent of your deliveries for your self-worth. And the second part, actually seeing that no reflection and, and being uh, in touch with myself and who I am and being um, uh, okay with that is it, uh, giving better execution. Uh, give, given how this area looks like, uh, let's say in Sweden or uh, in Europe, whatever, I would be more comfortable if it was driven by people like you having found your self-worth and, and what that can add as uh, an important ingredient to uh, you know, developing these artificial intelligences that, that in, in, in many ways are going to uh, interact with our lives and to uh, decide what our lives will be. But um, maybe it's a hard question, but do you think that these people working in this area have come to where you are, given that, that you know, uh, they are satisfied with themselves and, and, and not working to perform, not to execute, uh, uh, to perform better than others. Uh, and and I'm, I, I, I almost don't want to put it out there, but I can't blame myself no, no. having these thoughts. I mean, what a difference if, if we are uh, managed by uh, uh, thousands of people working in, in front line with this uh, in the first situation, not having had these reflections, or if the people managing uh, this innovation um, is managed by people having done this reflection and, and found their self-worth. It's a fantastic question. And in one extent, it's, it's a super easy question for me. Uh, at the same time, the topic is the most <laughs> complex ever. Yes. But yeah, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, no, I, I love it. Because uh, I think as a consequence of, I think, you know, both these stories, if I call it, because I have a genuine interest in technology, emerging technology, whether that is AI, blockchain, augmented reality, quantum, whatever it mm -hmm. is. Yeah. 
and that that almost becomes you know it's a balancing act in my head as well H how do we make these things uh, work together and i think during the last years um it has been clear to me that i think that is that is where i have my purpose passion and contribution as well this you know, intersection between technology uh, innovation society sustainability just you know human well-being and it's it's a complex topic because if you look at the technology aspect of it uh, you know many of the core so what we want to get out, if, if you take an algorithm that is um, uh, used for uh, optimal personalization, for example, mm -hmm. uh, it could be, you know, your information flow in, 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 in Facebook. It could be your uh, campaigns that comes uh, from a company. It could be advertising to that, that should really get your attention. All that is done to lure you in and have you continuously activated mm. uh, with a digital world that is currently glued into your hand. And there's so many interesting nuances here because I think because um, I, I think there's both challenges and, and huge opportunities also for us in Sweden and, and in Nordics actually to take a position here but what, what if I start on the challenging side um, I think what, what we see is you know th there is uh, even though Nordics always score I think Finland is the number one in, in in the list of you know happiest countries in the world that is all great at the same time, we see a, a decline or an increase in mental unwell-being, uh, loneliness, people suffering from depression, also going down in, in, uh, in the years quite a lot. And I think the introduction of this you know, digital relationship is a very fundamental driver of that because you know, now we take it for granted, but it's, you know, it's only 10 years ago, or roughly, uh, yeah. until we got our first, you know, cell phone. But now mm -hmm. I have, I have four, four kids and, you know, they are, you know, they, they are addicted to their cell phones as well. And that's the, that is how they hang out with, with, uh, with, with people. And they are, you know, they are measuring the likes that they get on TikTok at, uh, and that, that can steer, you know, if the day is good or bad, uh, mm -hmm. for example. And that, that is, uh, that, that's a situation that I'm scared of, because that is today. And again, you know, it was 10 years ago until we got our cell phone. If we go 10 years in the future. Yeah, tell uh, us, take, take yeah. us there. I'm relatively sure that this interface is no longer in, in our hands. It, maybe it's in our glasses or in our contact lens or who knows, maybe it's even wired uh, somehow in our brain. And then suddenly this, this uh, merge of 
the human and digital experience, it is part of your daily life. So when you are out walking, it's probably a mix of the physical and digital reality you see via your, you know, AI-powered, uh, augmented reality-powered uh, con contact lenses. And if we are starting to see a problem now, um, how will that look like, you know, in the future? So I think there are, there are two sort of um, time horizons. One is relatively short term. And if I say, you know, 5, 10, 15 years into the future. So if I start there before we go completely insane about the, the future. Um, <laughs> and, Let's progress. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think there is. And I think there is a very strong trend for that now as well um, to rehumanize the way we interact and just exist in this you know, age of, of, of technology. So we use, you know, technology will continue to to improve and do great stuff. But I, I really feel that we are, you know, going from evolving technology to take over and replace stuff that has been done by humans to start to think, how can we improve the way we work, live and exist with technology? Um, and I can just, you know, relate to, what, for example, at Accenture, what we have done just the last couple of years, we have, for example, an innovation context, uh, contest or challenge that is open for everyone that is around the theme of how can we use AI to improve mental well-being in the Nordics. And it's so powerful and amazing ideas and people that you know get the chance to make their their you know ideas come to life and it has been you know everything from you know pro proactive mental health mon monitoring to suicide prediction and you know really find this how do we actually co in coexist mm -hmm. and continue to evolve this you know core thing that is human feelings love instead of um, you know, going into a path that would gradually turn us into unsensible uh, robots where everything yeah. is automated. But it doesn't come without complexity as well, because there are so many topics. You know, how, how do you, you know, who is actually safeguarding this agenda? If you call it you know, AI or tech for good, who is setting the rules? Um, how do we secure you know, diversity in, 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 in the creation of all these, you know, algorithms, uh, etc. And I think there is, um, there I think it is an opportunity actually for Sweden and Nordics to take lead on that agenda globally. Because I think we are a region that many look up to. We have the history of being, you know, tech savvy, uh, innovative, but also socially responsible. So I think <clears throat> taking that position um, 
is something that I would love to be part of. Um, first, maybe for Sweden and Nordics, and who knows, then, then maybe for the world as well. So I think going back to your first question, I, I see much more of a shift for me personally going from, you know, how do I uh, um, you know, drive efficiencies and value for businesses to you know, contribute to humanity and society in, in, in this, this world that is is uh, is changing so so quickly yeah. then i also think yeah please let, let, let's say you you uh, i i suppose that you have taken this challenge and and that you are uh, driving this innovation uh, as as a world leader uh, you don't have to answer that i i, I can just <laughs> i can just imagine but let's say that you are there and uh, what what would be your top 3 innovation list that you would like to give to the people to give to us to 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 be able to you know uh, coexist with technology but in this human path as you are describing what, what, what would be three one to three uh, biggest gifts that you could give us yeah I, I think that we must, safeguard the sort of the core characteristics of what makes us human. Because I think that dynamic, it will change. I think it will change how we view life, how we view death. And in some way, the concept of immortality will exist i don't think it's a question of you know when it will exist but then in what type of sort of definition and if i if i just give you an example so okay um today you can download an an, an app uh, on your cell phone um it was a couple of years year or so back until i checked it out but it is it, called replica the purpose of it is to and it's just one example of many uh, mm -hmm. the purpose of it is to become your best friend learn all your behaviors um so it will uh, it will learn when to get your attention how to get your attention what you like basically be a copy of yourself in in an interaction format um Okay, imagine then that you have, and that's, that's for me a complex relationship in itself. Okay, you, you have a best buddy that doesn't exist. I can see both advantages and disadvantages of that. For loneliness purpose, fantastic that you have some kind of interaction. Uh, at the same time, you get more and more detached from human relationships that might be as satisfying for you. If you have your AI robot every morning saying that Ingla, today, you know, it would be an amazing day. You look fantastic. I, I sense that you were on the path here. Uh, let's do this together. You know, I, I, I can see easily an addiction, you know, being, being created by that. But okay, uh, let's say that you have that. I think the first um, and again, this is today, the first level of immortality or whatever you, you want to call it would be that, let's say that you have this replica of, of your parents um, 
and it's trained to perfection. So it interacts exactly like your mother or father, for example. Um, and, so, and then your parents dies. But this digital copy of how they interact is still there. So you can continue to speak to your mother or father or whoever it is, even when they have you know, passed away. And, and that's also, I had a very interesting discussion, it was probably a year ago, but around the future of photography. You know, it, it, same thing here, if we go back at, at, from the beginning, it was, you know, paper, paper, a piece of paper, black and white, then, okay, color. Then we started to do, do, do videos. But if you fast track that concept into the future as well, and applying, again, you know, all of these, uh, you know, technologies, AR and augmented reality and uh, whatever it is, I think that we will have probably, you know, digital holograms of people that you can actually interact with. Um, so in, in the future, I would expect you be able to have a dinner conversation with your parents that have passed away in the form of a projection enabled by some type of technology. Um, and then linking back that to sort of, so I think that, that will change, I think, our view on probably life and death. But then, then there's also this element of um, technical versus biological evolution, a little bit like we discussed with the contact lenses, because, okay, I, I'm pretty sure that we will live longer in the future. I, I'm pretty sure that uh, if I call it the artificial and the biological uh, component in your body will start to you know become integrated that's also a complex task you know when you know if you change your uh, uh, your heart and legs uh, to an artificially produced heart and legs then it's clear that you're still a human um okay what if if you would change your brain brain and your head that then wow. it's starting to become interesting and then mm you know, in some distant future, if you're able to transfer your consciousness to a, mm -hmm. uh, a steel-based machine, uh, but that is really your consciousness, you know, is that, what is that? So I, I think there is um, somehow, I, I try to have, or try, I, I have these two time horizons in my head. One is, you know, where are we potentially headed super long term and there are so many um good i think books on that like uh, you know homo deus and life 3.0 that speaks about all these mm -hmm. different alternatives and what could potentially ha potentially happen to to humanity and space and, and everything and you know it, it's mind provoking thoughts but at the same time for me i it feels more logical that we will end up there than, than, than the opposite. But then back to your question, I think it's okay not to, to get totally caught up in, uh, you know, what's happening in 50 or, or 100 or 500 years. Um, 
what what's going on now i think there is really this element of how do we make sure that we safeguard our human and society values mm -hmm. and also how do we secure that we have democratization and um fought through develop, development of you know technology uh, and data to minimize the risk of using that technology for evil because I, i believe that the more open we are um the less risk is it that that mm -hmm. uh, you would be able to do something bad with it because it's so easy also I, i i recall an example that i heard about i think it was from japan it's probably 10 years ago but it was around it's so relevant in these covid times as well it, it was about what you call it, cervic uh, vaccines for uh, cervic uh, cancer. Um, and if I recall correctly, uh, I think a majority of the population in Japan you know, took the vaccine. And then there was a sort of fake news campaign in social media talking about the consequences, showing scary movies. And suddenly that number of people that took the vaccine dropped from, I don't know, 60, 70% to, you know, less than five. Mm. Um, so it, so it, it, it's an example. And you know, I think it's so relevant, you know, in these times of, you know, COVID vaccination, you hear, you know, things about, uh, you know, potential consequences. It's, it's such an easy target to drive um behavior almost in the ver world population if you have a bad intent so sort of how do we how do we find the mechanism for that and also i think there is an element of diversity here as well to make sure a little bit to your point as well that somehow <coughs> if we talk about ai specifically um the ai the AIs are trained on data that is provided by humans. And if, if that data reflects the biases that the humans that are training the AI, AI has, then the AI will have it as well. Um, so via a more diverse group of people getting involved in the evolution of technology, in the higher extent, it will match the sort of general human society uh, values we have. And I think that's something that I, I feel passionate about as well. Also triggering you know, younger people to get involved in uh, you know, shaping that reality. And again, I think we, in Sweden, we knew, in Sweden and Nordic, I think we have a fantastic base to do something there. Mm -hmm. Wow, uh, a lot of innovation, uh, very, very exciting things and uh, a complexity that you are sharing with us from different perspectives. But what I am uh, like extracting from this, and, and that might be my subjective perspective of sub subtracting something that I like, is that 
when you are talking about this, you are talking about technology merging with the human element all the time, with the ethics, with the, the democratic side of things, and even with diversity and, and you know, to create this product, helping us and, and not being this evil force that you are also sharing with us. Uh, that that there is uh, a downside of, of things, uh, of course. So uh, thank you for uh, giving us uh, an, a bit of a knowledge and an insight in this complex world. I don't think I'm the only one thinking that many of these things are so hard to grasp. So just wondering, as a single person, an individual living today, uh, having, a, I mean, a, a normal life, what, what would you say that I should uh, pay attention to in terms of getting value from uh, artificial intelligence and all these uh, other areas you're mentioning? What should I watch out for and what should I uh, uh, embrace? Long breath. Um, I, I would now. First of all, I, I have now. My, my core belief is a positive view on uh, the evolution of, of, of you know technology mm -hmm. and the humanity. Good base like yeah. that. Yeah. So, so, so I think that that's the mindset I think we need to have to you know embrace the technology that is coming, understand that it will develop in a high, very high pace. And then, you know, figuring out, you know, how, how can it, you know, truly benefit me? Uh, what I would do um, on the watch outside, I, I think it's just, you know, starting to perhaps understand and recognize how your you know, personal information is, is actually handled, how the sort of the news feed that you, you get in your various channels actually are, you know, personalized to your preferences. Just understanding that I think is the good step because, mm -hmm. you know, if you take that to, to the extreme, if everyone gets, let's say that you and me, we have slightly different starting points, but in our beliefs, but if we are fed with information that is only purposed to strengthen our beliefs, we will grow further and further apart. So there will be a polarizations of sort of extreme viewpoints. And I think we can see that part. Yeah, today. definitely, definitely. So there, there is an element of, I think, you know, recognizing that and the need for almost what should I call it you know unfiltered information to take your own responsibilities to, to, to see the totality and not only you know strengthening strengthening your, your own perspective so I think that, that that's one aspect then I, I think from a pure technology relationship perspective there is also an element in of course dependent on who you are and what you do and uh, you know what, what drives you in in, in understanding the relationship I think you have with your digital devices, your cell phone, for example. I think many of us would benefit from spending less time with, with, uh, with that. Mm -hmm. And there is you know, this uh, interesting research uh, 
for example, from uh, you know, Sicily Natli on the relationship with you know with young people and the digital devices, but also you know how do you how you actually relate to a phone like a child dependent on do you have it you know in your pocket. Do you have it on the table? Uh, is it upside down? Uh, if it's in another room, you know, and and um, the similarity to that actually being a baby that just somehow you know will the baby scream? Uh, will the mobile make a noise? And it mm. it takes attention from you being in the now, and that is again somehow what makes us uh, you know humans as well. You know, being yeah. present where we are um, so I think that's a practical tip and then maybe the final advice would be to um, not view and especially for maybe you know younger people or people that are you know studying or in the beginning of the career um, don't think about these topics as complex technology topics that I need to fully comprehend to make a difference. If you're passionate about, for example, this relationship between technology and well-being, humanity, you know, just get engaged and find find your course and then just, you know, go for it. I, I, I cannot, you know, I cannot write AI algorithms myself. But yet, I lead our practice. So, so it's it's you know, don't let the you know limitations uh, you know limit your path um, mm-hmm. wh- wherever that is. And if it's difficult where to navigate, and you have a cool idea, you know, people can get in touch with me, and then I will guide to the best extent the suitable home for that uh, that topic. Mm-hmm. Here is very, very good advices for self-leadership as well as for being a leader, I could hear. And given these tips, staying down to earth and watching out for my personalized flows and not treating my telephone as a baby, letting it you know, manage my life completely, all all, all these uh, are, are very tangible and uh, concrete tips that uh, uh, I take with me. And uh, you have, uh, during this uh, conversation, uh, really shown, uh, would I say, what you are all about. That is uh, the human aspect and the technology aspect, how they can merge together and and how they can progress together, not without questions and, uh, you know, having to do some work around it, but still that there there can be some kind of balance going forward and uh, that is uh, I think uh, what you really have given us today as as you did last time you were here in Swedish uh, in in the Swedish uh, language Uh, and uh, just to to summarize to to uh, find some keys uh, that you would give from the human side of your story what what would that be what what three keys would be your uh, let's say sustainable factors to a good life 
uh, or a successful life as well. Uh, I mean, you can. Uh... Absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, I for first, I think there is this this recognition of um, being before doing. You know, f finding. Mm -hmm who you are and then leverage that instead of getting locked in just doing things. A second topic, if I become a little bit more practical, would be to yeah, also try to, to identify these triggers that, that actually makes you feel good. And I, I talk about uh, sleep, um, you know, getting seven, eight hours sleep a day, different for different individuals, but, but for me, um, I would prioritize exercising. Um, then, when, when you do it, you know it, it's up to you. I would put out a challenge to try to do meditation. Try ten day, days. It will be completely impossible in the beginning. Just the exercise of trying to take, you know, ten, you know, close your eyes, take ten breaths, and try to think of nothing. You know, test that. Uh, it's difficult. But it also proves the value of, of actually, you know, doing stuff uh, related to work. You know, these practical things of just stop multitasking. If you if you if you're in a meeting where you feel like you need to multitask, you should probably not be in that meeting from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you have breathing space between meetings, uh, evening time. You know, make sure that you have time to uh, to uh, you know uh, slow down. Uh, and face out. And I think the biggest fundamental tip for me is also just to be be nice, be nice to people. And, and I think if you are nice, um, it will pay back to you. Wow. Thank you very much, Daniel Hjelte. I think I will let that be the final words that we go out this day uh, and take with us. Thank you so much for being at Mental Podium. I wish you a really nice day. Thank you. Thank you, Ingela. Thank you. Det här är Ingela Fagerlund och du har precis lyssnat på ett avsnitt av Mentorpodden. Om vår tid här tillsammans känns värdefull och du vill att vi fortsätter växa tillsammans, bli en del av Mentorpoddens utveckling och dela den med andra. 